Welcome to Lessons from Life, the podcast that gleams profound life lessons from everyday life stories. Hosted by Dustin Fenton and Brandon Hill. Welcome back, listeners. It's good to have you join us for another week. Dustin, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Brandon. It's great to be with you and excited for another chance to chat with you. Today, we have a mutual friend of ours, Melissa Burt Grasick, with us. Melissa, would you like to introduce yourself? I know Brandon and Dustin from my Greenville College days. I work for a corporation locally here in the San Diego area as a training and development specialist. And really, that looks like equipping our workforce with the skills that they need, maybe self-awareness or specialized knowledge so that they can do their jobs with excellence. And I specialize in StrengthsFinder, management training, mindfulness, and emotional intelligence. Well, thanks for being with us, Melissa. We understand you've got a story to share with us. Yeah. So my story that I want to share, and we'll see what lessons uh, we all can take away from that, happened in February 2019. I had this little bump on my arm that I noticed around September and went to my general physician. She said, you know, that just looks like a regular old cyst. Keep your eye on it. And then I got really busy with work. And luckily, my spouse said, I don't think so. I think you should probably have that looked at again. That was a little bit before Thanksgiving and after the holidays all wrapped up and things seemed to simmer down at work in January, I went to a dermatologist and they say, uh, you know, if you, I'm not concerned about it, but if, if you uh, don't hear from us, that's good news. And two days later, I had a call from the dermatologist letting me know that it was malignant, very aggressive uh, melanoma nodular tumor. And before I knew it, I was faced with a whole bunch of scary thoughts. Mm. Uh, I Googled that. Don't ever do that with a diagnosis (laughs) until you can talk to a specialist. Mm. Uh, But basically, the internet said, yeah, this, this kind of cancer is the most aggressive. It's the most lethal form of melanoma that there is. And it's often misdiagnosed and can spread to other organs within weeks. Mm. So uh, Jeff and I were in a spot of, well, no could die. Mm. And went quickly into my oncological surgeon meeting just about a week later and found myself in surgery about five days later. Happened very, very quickly. And I'm grateful for that. And after a couple of weeks of anxiety, I learned that they had been able to get it all and it had not spread to my lymph nodes. Yeah. And I think some of the backstory that needs to go here is that my belief system has transformed over the course of time. And in the past, I think for all of us, we would have a Hail Mary moment of please, God, reaching out to whatever entity we sense is in charge of the universe to give us a sense of hope and direction to divinely intervene in our situation. And in the intervening years since uh, you two and I have connected, I've become an atheist. So I didn't have that moment of wanting even to reach out to that divine being because I don't believe in one anymore. And I would have thought in my earlier days or as a younger person that this kind of a moment would put my belief system to the test. Mm. 
And it really didn't. There was even more of a sense of just how precious our lives are in the moment of time that we get to have them here on earth. And I felt incredibly grateful for my life. And of course, I wanted more of it. (laughs) I realized Mm. I am not done. And it Mm. brought a sense of clarity for me of what I wanted my legacy to be on the planet. So that's, that's the story I wanted to share with you all of facing death. Mm. Wow. It's interesting. We seem to have had quite a few people who have stories that are in this alignment of just some terrible tragedy or something terrible happening. And it's interesting the profound impact that does have on our lives and, you know, on what we believe and what we value. Yeah, for sure. I realized for myself, I think you two would know from my Greenville days, very creative person. Mm -hmm. And I realized that though I love my family, I'm grateful for them, and they add so much richness to my life. That moment really helped me realize that I wanted to leave something beyond my family as my legacy. Mm. And so for me, I've got to focus on what that will be and what is the creativity those creative endeavors that I want to put some energy toward to transform lives. Really, that's that's what I care about the most. I specialize in strengths finder, and my strengths really align with influencing. And I've taken another assessment in the last six months or so that I really like called motivators. Hmm. And what that assessment revealed for me was how important it was to make an impact that's what drives me. So I'm forming together those thoughts around what is that creative endeavor that will make that impact that I want to have on people's lives? And then how do I get it out there in the world? Mm -hmm. So you're still sorting through what that's going to look like. Yes, I think it will be all of those areas of with my input strength of Mm -hmm. fascination for me, and the deeper meaning of what I think all of us yearn for, which is to have a good life. And uh, how do we achieve that good life with emotional intelligence, with mindfulness, with compassion? And how do we make the world more joyful and alleviate suffering? Mm-hmm. Becomes a new rallying cry for you in some ways. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. At work, I have a lot of opportunities to make a difference. I lead mindfulness meditation sessions and hold emotional intelligence courses where we take deeper dives into each component of EQ. And that I think is some of the most meaningful work that I do. I just need to find a way to, and it's probably going to be through writing, Mm. uh, get some of those messages out in a broader way. Yeah. That legacy piece has been something I've been thinking about. My strengths of input are story collecting. And people keep saying, Brian, you need to write a book collecting all these stories. Well, I hate writing. (laughs) I think I'm good at it, but I don't like to just sit down and write. And that's why we started this uh, podcast was really as a way to collect all of these stories. And what I enjoy is getting these lessons out of them. What do you learn from it? I don't know that the podcast will live on in eternity, but it is one of the ways I think that I can continue to impact people beyond my physical circle. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you should start a podcast. There you go. Like the million other people who have during COVID. (laughs) 
Melissa, you were talking about transforming lives, having a good life. How do you determine what is the good life and what is it that you're transforming? I think from my own experience, some of how I've achieved, I don't know if it's a good life, but more joy, more happiness, more contentment and peace has been through a journey of self-acceptance. And I used to be very, very perfectionistic. And that perfectionism caused a lot of pain for me, Mm. pain that didn't really need to be there. If I made a mistake, I was the very first person to pick up on that and try to tease it apart and dwell on it over and over again, past the point of really being able to learn from it. In fact, kind of counterintuitively, because I was uber focused on it, I wasn't able to learn from it. Brene Brown and her work, she studies shame and perfectionism as a form of shame. I often found myself full of blame because as she coins it, blame is a way to offset emotional pain because we can't face ourselves. And I would say that meditation was really that first stepping stone out of that darker time in my life where I was horribly self-critical. And also uh, when you're perfectionistic, at least in my experience, the spotlight of our mental attention is always on ourselves. It's kind of egotistical. And meditation helped me take that spotlight of attention off of myself be more accepting of myself and slowly have more compassion for myself, seeing suffering of others a little bit more and having more compassion for others. So I think in some ways it's a, how, how do we achieve the good life? How do we achieve more joy and happiness and peace in our own lives starts with how we treat ourselves. And that would be the first place that I would point people toward. When you make a mistake, how do you respond to yourself? Is it with the exacting, cruel voice inside of your head? Or is it the kindest, gentlest friend voice inside of your head? Someone who comforts you and helps you move forward with compassion or is it not? Is it some somewhere in between or is it cruel and mean? And if we can stop creating our own pain, I mean, the world's hard enough. We don't, we don't need to add more pain by the way we think toward ourselves or speak toward ourselves. At least for me, that's part of what I've learned. And then, I mean, the data is rich on this point. The more we give to others, the more joy we end up having, the more psychological benefit we get. So that would be the second place I would point. Jeff often will be traveling. And when our kids were small, I remember like, just like, oh my gosh, I'm juggling full-time work and toddlers that are grumpy and not always cooperating, commuting, making the lunches. And during those seasons, I made an extra effort to do acts of kindness for others because I knew that I needed that so that the focus and spotlight of attention of my mind wasn't just on me and my struggles, but instead, how can I contribute to greater good of someone else? And that brought me so much joy. So I would say that would be another path I would point people toward of how do you give? How are you prioritizing contributing to others in compassionate, kind ways so that you yourself can have more joy? So how did you experience that concept while you were dealing with this melanoma? 
Yeah, uh, mindfulness, man, have I ever been more grateful for <laughs> mindfulness. One of the gifts that mindfulness brings is brain focus and that ability to catch yourself thinking and either redirect that or reframe that thought. Oh, that's a thought. That's a belief. I don't have to dive into this doomsday scenario that my brain is vividly painting right now of my children without a mother. You know, mm, mm, mm. I don't have to believe that. I don't need to sit with that. I can allow that thought to pass over mm. and have words like mantras from meditation of comfort toward myself. May I be safe and recognizing that in this moment, Yes, I have cancer on my arm, but I'm also safe. Like there's, I'm alive. My heart mm -hmm. is beating. I am breathing. I can think. May I be free from suffering? Not all of me is suffering in this moment. Mm -hmm. Yes, I've just had that scary thought, but that has passed. And now I'm in this moment. And what is also true in this moment, I can feel the seat underneath me. I can feel my husband's hand on mine while we're driving. And that's when I have that thought. So yes, mm -hmm. mindfulness really was very, very helpful at redirecting my brain from what it wanted to do, which was solve this problem of mm -hmm. what is going to happen and how are we going to prepare. <laughs> so in this time of COVID, I think there's a lot of people with a lot of anxiety, yeah. not only about that, but just what's happening around us and in the world. What would be your advice to people in how they can make themselves mindful, how they can bring themselves peace mm -hmm. during these times? Yeah, I think one really proven method would be gratitude, mm -hmm. focusing on what is good in your life right now. Even if you have, say, lost your job, mm -hmm. what about this very moment is good and wholesome and whole? And mm -hmm. every moment, I believe, has the potential for positive emotions of peace and joy, gratitude. Our brains, this comes from the work of Dr. Rick Hansen, have a negativity bias. And especially in times of anxiety and stress, our natural tendency to focus on the negative is going to be amplified because there's just more negative than our regular day-to-day -day lives. We have to work hard in the best of times to help our brains hold on to see, feel, notice the good. And so give yourself a ticket of permission five to 10 times a day to pause and recognize what are you grateful for? What's good about your life or about yourself? And then a very simple thing that you can do to ground yourself back in this very moment is boxed breathing. So you breathe in for a count of four or five, you hold for a count of four or five, breathe out for a count of four or five, and then hold for a count of four or five. And just doing 10 of those can bring down the cortisol, help you get out of that stress state, and then you're in a better frame of mind to tackle and problem solve whatever mm -hmm. might be in front of you in that moment and not in a hijacked, stressed brain. And then the other thing that I would point to is be extra kind and compassionate towards yourself. Self-compassion is widely shown to be more effective at helping us be creative, innovative, problem solve, and also even achieve goals. And that comes from the work of Dr. Kristen Neff from Stanford. So saying to yourself, oh, 
I've just had this passing thought. I'm, I'm steeped in worry. I've been in this spiral of worry about how am I going to provide for my family? How are we going to put food on the table? What am I going to do for my job? And all of those thoughts have just brought tremendous stress and pain mm -hmm. to me. Acknowledge that's hard. And I'm not alone. What does our count right now? What like 30 some other million Americans are, mm. are in a similar boat as me. I'm not isolated in this. Mm. And then uh, giving yourself what you need. So in this moment, I'm needing comfort. I'm needing peace of mind. And if you can, give that to yourself and speak to yourself like a good friend would speak to you in that moment. Honey, that is so hard. I'm so sorry you're going through that right now. Be tender, be kind towards mm -hmm. yourself because you're going through something challenging. And then I'm probably going to butcher this word, but Haiga, Hauga, it's the Swedish, maybe. I don't remember <laughs> where it's from, um, but idea of creating comfort. So create a little nest for yourself. How can you give yourself just the most amount of comfort possible? Uh, is it a soft blanket? Is it, because uh, here in San Diego, we get cold in air quotes uh, in the summer and <laughs> 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 the evening. So like, a soft blanket, a cup of hot tea, your favorite book, cuddle with your spouse or your child or your cat or your pet, mm. create little pockets of just absolute comfort and indulge in that. Mm. Yeah. Well, Melissa, this has been really encouraging to me. I think I've certainly felt stress of COVID and the worries about family members and those kinds of things. And so this has been really encouraging to me personally. Awesome. Well, would it be okay if I send us off with a small meditation? I think that'd be great. Okay. So if you would just close your eyes and stay seated, maybe get your back in an upright position, backing away from the back of the chair, but not stiff. Allow your shoulders to kind of drop and bring your attention to your breath in this moment. Try to notice maybe the beginning of the breath as the air coolly comes into your nostrils or where it hits the back of your throat or the rise of your chest or your belly. Whatever part of the breath is easiest for you to notice, try to put your attention there. Now in this span of silence, Perhaps your mind has already begun wandering, thinking about things you need to do or a passing thought. This is not a problem. It's not a mistake. Mindfulness is moment by moment awareness without judgment on purpose. So gently and kindly bring your attention back to the part of the breath you've chosen to focus on. And do not be unkind to yourself as you do this. Do your best to keep your attention on your breath. Bringing your mind back as many times as you need to.
Now notice your breath in its entirety, taking one deep breath. Notice it all the way in and all the way out. And in this moment, cultivate some gratitude for the fact that you can breathe, that you are alive right now. And you can open your eyes. There you go. That was great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Melissa. Yeah. So good to hear from you and hear this update. I'm so thankful that you have recovered. You've been a good friend for a long time. Thank you. Vice versa. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Everybody take care and we'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening to Lessons from Life. We hope that you have learned a lesson today that will help you to be more fulfilled in life's journey. If you were inspired by today's episode, please subscribe and review. You can find Lessons from Life at LessonsFromLifeForYou.com. That is with the number four and the letter U. You can also find links to all of our social media on our website. We would love to hear the valuable lessons that you have learned from your life experiences.